Hey everybody, it's uh, Jim Barton and Abby Conley again for Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. And today, we're going to talk about the book of Job. And uh, so to start that off, I'm going to have uh, Abby do a rundown of the, of the story. So Job is a giant book of poetry with some of the most beautiful poetry in the Bible and some of the most difficult to translate if you were to do that. Some of the Psalms are worse, but poetry is notoriously difficult. And it tells the story of a guy who has lots of stuff and loses it. And um, in that, there's a conversation going on between God and Satan. And Satan here, we're using the very, very basic term of the word, don't think devil and pitchfork, but Satan, um, the adversary. So if you want to talk about an angel of God or something like that, that would be more accurate than something that has its own realm. Um, but you have these two entities talking about, you know, there's this guy and he's doing really good and he's worshiping God and all of these things. And Satan says, well, of course he is. He's got everything he needs. He's got everything he wants. He has, like, why wouldn't he honor you and worship you? Um, if you let me test him, then I bet things will change. So God says, okay, go on and do that. And so he does. He loses his material possessions. He loses his family. He loses his health. And all of his, he has three different friends who come to him, and they each say, do you must have really screwed up, you must have sinned, whatever you did, repent, make this stop happening. And every time Job says no, I was blameless. Um, and throughout the entire dialogue, it is presumable that he remains blameless. He continues to follow God. And so it ends with God answering Job out of a whirlwind with kind of the like, well, who are you to ask? Like. I, I stretched up the heavens, I made the entire earth, I made all of creation. Who are you to challenge me and what I choose? And it kind of ends there. Um, it is interesting that Job is not a Hebrew name. So you have... Well, before you... Okay. It doesn't actually... If I, if I read my Bible today, it doesn't end there. Okay. Right? Because it ends with, he gets everything back. Right. We're talk about that too while you're... Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, his fortunes are restored. His sores goes away. He, he gets back more livestock than he had, more possessions than he had. He gets a new wife and kids, which is a little bit of the weird part of the story because, like, if your wife died and your kids died, here's 2.0 doesn't exactly, you know, make up for the first thing. Um, and the prosperity continues going forward. And so... There's where I'll add, like, so Job is not a Hebrew name. So this is a story that comes to us through the Hebrew tradition, but from outside the Hebrew tradition itself. Um, and there's not a clear, hey, we know for sure it's this, but we know the name is not within that specific tradition. But somehow got handed down as part of canon. So when I read Job, I think Job is terrible theology. Although I, the part of Job I like is that it makes it clear that if you love God, that doesn't mean things will go well for you. Right? And I think it's interesting because if you read other sections of the Bible, you have this back and forth of like, well, the people of Israel turned away from God, so things got terrible for them. Then they got better, and then God was nice to them, and then they turned away from God, and things got terrible. So like in the book of Judges, it's actually... 
that's in fact a specific rhythm, right, of the stories. Right. That's how they transition from right. folktale to folktale. And Kings is kind and of the Kings same does thing. the same thing. That's yeah. exactly right. Where here's this king, he was a bad king, so things went shitty. Here's he's a good king, so things went well. Yeah. So I like that Job clarifies that that's nonsense. But here's the thing: in the book, Job is right, and in fact, God sort of pokes at Satan, pokes at the adversary, and goads him into testing Job, right? None of Job's friends suggest that Job is being tested by God. And when Job has a conflict with God at the end, God doesn't even say, I was testing you. Right. I just watched, um, uh, last night I watched uh, uh, the uh, uh, training day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. And in, in that... Um, Denzel Washington puts Ethan Hawke in a ridiculous situation. Ethan Hawke gets out, and Denzel says, oh, you passed the test. And Denzel's kind of the villain in that movie, and so you kind of think, like, I don't know, did you really pass the test, or were you trying to kill him and he got away, whatever. Right. God doesn't even give Job that you passed the test. God literally just says, did you set the boundary of the oceans? Right. Do you know this? Because I do, and you don't. So, (laughs) I'm not sure, you know... If you're talking to somebody who's endured some terrible tragedy, my gosh, the, 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 there's no comfort from Job. Right. And this is where, you know, we're talking around some theology that you and I both reject. Like, that whole, oh, someone died, God needed another angel. I call bullshit. <laughs> right. Like, no. And on even saying, well, God is testing me by putting me through this horrible thing, both, and you, both you and I will say no. Like, this is not God. Um, and so this becomes some really problematic for us theology in that whole, like, well, no, it's not God testing you. But God said, yeah, Satan, have a hand up. Like, have a go. The other thing that's not there is this idea that because we have God, God is with us through our suffering. That's not present in the book of Job. The um, what's the the poem? The footsteps in the sand. Right. Why were there only ones that? Oh, that's where I carried you. God does not carry Job. Right. In fact, God just. I don't. I'm not sure what God wants Job to do. Just right. suck it up, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when you say the footprints poem, it's like, oh right, this is much more the Starbucks version of footprints, where the sand people ride in single file. Behind them. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> like that's much more what Job is facing than like. God walking with him through this. And so right now there's a movie out that will not be the blockbuster hit, um, but it's called Silence, and it's based on a Japanese novel that I love by the same name. And it's a story in um, the 1600s of missionaries in Japan. This is after Christianity has been, um, there have been a lot of missionaries there, Christianity had taken hold, and then the empire um, struck back. No, not really. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But the empire decides to quell, to to squash Christianity and get rid of it. And so there are two young priests who go on the search for um, Father Ferreira, who is rumored to still have been in Japan, and to see if there's any Christianity left. And so... It's the story of persecution. It's the story of horrible torture. It's the story of things that were actually happening and Christians who were actually martyred for their faith. And so, you know, when you look at a story like that and you you know that this story is actually repeated, um, then this becomes even more problematic. 
because part of that story is that um, the priests see an image of Christ, and the image of Christ speaks to them and says, I was suffering with you. Mm-hmm. I was with you through this. Um, your, my suffering made the way for your suffering. So very different from like God in a kingdom far away and left us to deal with that. Yeah. So part of our post-Christian reading, I think, actually creates that problem a little bit more. Right. Because we have this story of um, God made a human who right. suffered with us. Yeah. But they don't have that. Right. There's some interesting things in the uh, examining Job as a piece of literature that I think is curious. One thing is that it's, it's the use of sarcasm. Because Job is very sarcastic towards his friends. He's like, oh, your comfort is so fantastic. You tell me this or whatever. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of interesting. The other thing I think is very neat is that when Job is making his case about why he's blameless, which, by the way, he is. You're right. In the book, it, yeah. it's very clear he's blameless. That's, yeah. that's, that, is a, that is a plot point. He talks about all the good work he did for the poor. And he talks about how he was fair to everybody. And he treated the hungry. And, and so it's interesting to me. I don't know when Job was written. It's a... I mean, but it's obviously an ancient story, like you said, that maybe it's not even out of the Hebrew tradition. It may have been adopted from outside of it. Although I've heard conflict on that, that maybe... Because there are places that are not Hebrew names. Right. But then but then they say, well, it seems like those are in, dropped in to give the story, you know, authentic feel. Yeah. So it's not clear about whether it's whatever. But in any case, it's so neat that treating people with justly is an important part of the story even when he gives everything back at the end which I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on whether that's a legitimate like was that written at the same time but even in that part there's um, gender equality in the sense that they name they name the they name the um, daughters and the new daughters and they and they do well too so basically they say not only does Job do well but his his descendants do well including via his his female children which is kind of neat it's a little feminism in, in ancient literature right um and that, that actually is a consistent practice, despite the fact that it's um, patrilineal endogamy and men inherit. If there's not a man to inherit, women do. And that's a consistent theme throughout Scripture, even Old Testament Scripture. Um, especially Old Testament Scripture, I should say. Um, yeah, and so what was so, the question So the questions asked? were, when, when do we think Job became a piece of literature? And then what do you think about the narratives on either side? So there's the poetry, which right. really sort of sits in the middle. And we left off. I want to. One of the neat thing about the poetry is that there's the um, the punk college kid. That's how I. That's how I characterize him. <laughs> is he's the son of one of them, and he's really upset that the dad did such a poor job of telling Job the truth, and so he just goes on these like you know four or five chapters of rant about how terrible Job obviously is, and how his the older generation is a bunch of punks that aren't telling you the way it is, and then nobody responds to him because at the end of his thing. Job doesn't respond, just just God talks. So it's kind of funny. He gets to do his, you know, come home from college, I know everything speech. And then, not that I have any, I don't have any particular knowledge of that. I'm just, I'm remembering my college time. So, um, uh, uh, the, uh, he makes his big speech and then nobody responds. <laughs> it goes, there's no, nothing in the comments section in response to it. So anyway, so there's those two narratives on uh, that book in the poetry. So on the, just the age of text question. Yeah. Poetry in the Bible tends to be older than most of the other texts. 
so the older it is, the harder it is to date. Yeah. So like Elijah narratives are among the oldest in the Bible. Um, and until you get to actual historic events and some of the prophets, it's not anybody's guess, but it's kind of anybody's guess. Okay. Um, because you'll have some manuscript, but then a new manuscript changes that. And it's not grounded in a place and time. And until... It's, get, not, it's not a response to kings, for example. Right. Okay. Right. It's not a response to kings. It's not a response... Or judges. To anything known of. Right. No, right, okay. Um, because you get... Until you get to the house of David, everything that happens probably has no historical basis. So, it, from a purely historical, critical perspective, when in the Bible does stuff start actually having happen? There was probably at some point a house of David. Okay. That doesn't mean there was ever a King David. Yeah. But at some point, this legend of David began, and like this actually existed that there was a house. And until you really get into temples and those things, that's when you can say, oh, this happened at a point in time. But it's really fascinating to see the level of like personal. The, the dialogue and the poetry of Job has an intimate feeling to it. So I'm not saying it captures events that happen, right. but it, it, I feel like it's, a, it's fascinating from a cultural perspective. And even some of those older stories in Genesis are fascinating culturally because they sort of give you insight into how people must have interacted. Right. You know, um, this person wept for this reason and then did this thing. And I don't know, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of an, a fascinating from that, re- that regard. Yeah, and I think... You know, you, you don't get much conversation in any Bible story. Like, in, in our world, you could have an entire plot line driven by conversation with no image. Right. Like, and it's kind of the opposite. Right. That you might get, you know, you get three lines of dialogue yeah, yeah. out of ten chapters. Right. But Job is almost all dialogue. Right. So that yeah. is a really different feel. Yeah. Um, and why it kind of stands alone, I think, rather than being in something else, because mm-hmm. it is such a long piece of poetry and doesn't fit in a framework of anything else. So if you had to bracket it on time, what would you? What bracket would you put? <laughs> bracket it on when? When it was written. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have to ago. look. Sorry. Okay. All right, that's ask, fine. You All can't right. ask me dating I'm off sorry. the top of I'm my sorry. head I'm anymore. Sorry. If I were still okay. in seminary, you could. At but. least 500 BC, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well before the first temple, for sure. So, and as far as those narratives, I mean, I think the narratives functionally are, hey, we've got to explain why this poetry exists. I think it's also, you know, we should not take it as fact that there's not a guy named Joe who actually lost all of his things. And it doesn't, it's not presented that way. Right. Like, 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 like when, when Abraham has a story about how he sins... Hagar off into the desert because Sarah is jealous of Hagar. Right. I don't think that happened in a way that, like, I don't think in the way newspaper stories happen. Right. But it is presented with some texture that the author, I mean, it's arguable. We could talk about it. But, I mean, at least when you read it, the author, author is arguably presenting it as an, as an event. Right. It's a realist, it's realistic fiction. Right. Job is once upon a time. Right. We're moving more into what we would say maybe fable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, something that is meant to teach and instruct. And that's where you get the like, hey, lose everything, gain everything back actually works. Yeah. Or gain everything back plus because it, it balances out. But I think that does point to is there is an overall theme in scripture. We get in trouble 
with most stories if we tell just one story. Yeah. So, because there's most always another story. Yeah. And another story that makes that kind of balance out. So, like, since we talked about David, and, like, there is a house of David, get the story of Bathsheba. He yeah. sees another man's wife, he wants her, he works out pulling off the husband, so right. he can have her as his wife. Well, that's not exactly a stand-up kind of character. Right, like, right. okay. Well, David also didn't get to build the temple. Right. So those actions were not without consequences. Right. And I think that that those narratives you're talking about at the end kind of point to that overarching story for everything that like every horrible thing that happens there is there is some kind of balance out in the world yeah. I think part of our struggle is also our faith by merit of our um, society tends toward individualism yeah. and when you look at stories that are almost universally communal stories right. it becomes a lot harder a people turning from God right. and facing consequences from it sits with me very differently than an individual who turns from God and then gets punished for it. Okay. Um, I, this is probably like the date question is not fair, but do you think it's written by the same people in the narratives and the poetry? No, I think okay. the narratives were added later as a way to frame that. I tried to look it up, but my dad's stuff is all pretty old, yeah. and I find that typically they are stuff from 30 or 40 years ago is a little bit more um, slow to make a conclusion that was written by somebody else. That's her. Right, and part of the reason why is because different stuff was dug up in the desert since those books were That's written. That's true. And that actually has a significant bearing. Right. right. Okay, well, very cool. Um, I think that'll wrap it up. And um, um, until next time, uh, cheers. Bye.